Welcome to the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a weekly podcast for writers. Grab a cup of coffee, perhaps some paper and pen, and enjoy an interview with an author, a chat with a writing tool creator, perhaps a conversation with an editor or other publishing expert, as well as Kat's thoughts on writing and her own creative journey. You'll laugh, you'll cry, well, hopefully not actually cry, but you will probably learn something. And I hope you'll be inspired to write. Because as I always say, you have a story, you should write it down. This is Pencils and Lipstick. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 186 of Pencils and Lipstick. I'm Kat Caldwell, and today you have me um, talking to you about book blurbs. We'll probably be back in July with one interview of Jeff Elkins, but the rest of them are just going to be short and sweet. And today we are going to talk about book blurbs, as I said, because I just finished writing a pretty satisfactory book blurb and I hate book blurbs. So we're going to talk through this. Uh, Book blurbs for anyone who is new to writing, and they are the back of the book. Um, They are what entices the reader to read. Once they have picked up that book of yours, you know, I always envision people in a bookstore. I know most of us buy books online, but it's all right. So let's say they pick up this book, Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Pretty good book, by the way. Um, But what they're going to see it on the back is the book blurb, right? So you might get some quotes by people endorsing the book, um, but the book blurb is what it's about. So a lot of times on a hard hardback or a nonfiction, it might be on the inner cover. So book blurbs are usually, for an, any indie writer, are usually written by the author, and most authors hate doing them. <laughs> Maybe I'm just going to say that because I hate doing them. Um, there are services, there are people who help um, help you write them, but you you really have to find a way to to bring the entire story right down into a f- couple sentences. So whether or not you pay someone to write it um, or you write it yourself, you're still going to have to do some work on it. And why do we find it so difficult? I think it's because we spend so much time in this world that we're building in our book that um, it's really difficult to to put it all into 150 words, like what is the most important thing to tell your reader, right? So let's start with something fairly easy. I'm going to read a couple um, book blurbs to you because the interesting thing about book blurbs is that they don't really tell you a lot about the story. So if you have read um, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, very good book if you haven't read it, pretty popular, you know, so I assume a lot of you have read it. So this is the blurb. It is France, 1714. In a moment of desperation, a young woman makes a Faustian bargain to live forever and is cursed to be forgotten by everyone she meets. Thus begins the extraordinary life of Addie LaRue in a dazzling adventure that will play out across centuries and continents, across history and art, as a young woman learns how far she will go to leave her mark on the world. But everything changes when, after nearly 300 years, Addie stumbles across a young man in a hidden bookstore and he remembers her name. Okay, has anyone read this book? Because that's like the very beginning of the book. (laughs) 
I mean, sure, we see Addie quite a bit, but really the 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 thing that like catapults the the rest of the story is her meeting that young man, right? Like there is the setup. There's a lot of setup. So um the inciting incident to get Addie into this moment is that night of a Faustian bargain. And then we sort of have to see her walk through this um this curse that she's living in. And then she meets um, the boy, I think his name's Henry. And he remembers her name and he's the only person that's ever remembered her. So this is getting to like maybe a third of the book. All right. And I think that's what really confuses us as writers and, you know, confused. I say confused lightly. It's it's really difficult because we know the full book and we feel like we want to give people a bigger picture of that. I mean, don't you almost want a bigger picture than that? But the whole point of a book blurb is to get you to want the full picture and get you to buy the book, right? Okay. So maybe you picked up The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue because it was so popular. Have you ever read, well, I mean, I'm in my 40s, so Harry, I like missed the kid Harry Potter time, but um, I read it with my kids. So here is the book number four, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Now, remember, this is a YA because I'm surprised at how kind of blah this book blurb is. The Triwizard Tournament is held is to be held at Hogwarts. Only wizards who are over 17 are allowed to enter. But that doesn't stop Harry dreaming that he will win the competition. Then at Halloween, when the Goblet of Fire makes its selection, Harry is amazed to find his name is one of those that the magical cup picks out. He will face death-defying tasks, dragons, and dark wizards, but with the help of his best friends, Ron and Hermione, he might just make it through alive. If you have read that book, um... Or even seen the movie, but like the book has even more information. Like it doesn't talk about his and Ron's fight. I really hope that's the book. <laughs> um, and how Ron is jealous of him. It doesn't talk about the kid who's dying. It doesn't talk about the conspiracy that they discover. It doesn't talk about any of that. I mean, first of all, this is written to entice technically 14-year-olds, although we know that Harry Potter is one of those books that has sort of transcended age limits, right? So it's really just kind of getting them with the death-defying tasks, the dragons and the dark wizards, and then bringing in the friends that by book four everybody loves, right? That's a really short book blur. Now, imagine if you have written this huge book in which all these intricate details are happening, and Harry's even continuing to find out who he is, right? And you want to tell everyone about this. And yet that is not the point of the book blurb. So really the point of the book blurb is to not summarize. It is to tease. Now, partly the problem with with writers is that they want to summarize. So we have spent so much time writing this thing that we want to really give a good, juicy summary Um and that's usually too much. <laughs> we want to put everything in there. Um, and it's just, it's it's not going to work as the book blurb. Uh, this is kind of like your two-minute elevator pitch, right? Uh, there used to, I bet there are now conferences again after COVID, right? But before COVID, when I was living in Europe, I would always hear about these writer conferences where, you know, agents and publishers would be there and you would get to like 
five minutes to pitch your book and see if they would want to take it. Um, that's about all you have. You have a very small um, moment of time to hook a reader. So first thing that you want to think of is a uh, that you are teasing them. You are really teasing them into like, picking this book up. Now, usually people are going to know what genre the book is in. So if they pick up Harry Potter, they know it's a YA fantasy. If they pick up, um, I mean, The Invisible Life of Ali LaRue is technically fantasy. I think it got put in women's fiction quite a bit. Um, it was also like book club, you know, um, book that's not technically a genre, but that's kind of what, um, some people sort of categorize books as now, right? Um, so you usually kind of know what what should be being said there. Um, but let's go with Outlander. Um, so as one thing that you want to keep in mind as you're as you're writing your book blurb or about to write your book blurb is the genre, right? So you need to know um what you need to tell people. If it is a fantasy with dragons, people are going to want to know that it's a dragon fantasy because that is how you're going to get the ideal reader to pick it up, right? Um, so for women's fiction, you're going to want to to lean into the emotion and all that. For historical fiction, you're going to want to lean into the history. Um, but let's read Outlander as well. This is also a very short blurb. And technically, this would be like a historical fantasy. <laughs> like it's time traveling, right? So, I mean, I guess it would also hit the the book club. Um, it's interesting how um, we don't really, things that become so famous, we don't really put <laughs> into certain categories anymore, but it's definitely historical fiction. There's a lot of history in there that is true. It's also fantasy. It's also a romance. Um, so historical romance. The year is 1945. So we're talking out outlined in the first book. Claire Randall, a former combat nurse, is just back from the war and reunited with her husband on a second honeymoon when she walks through a standing stone in one of the ancient circles that dot the British Isles. So there you go. She summed up like the first, what, 10 chapters into one, like two sentences. Suddenly, she is a Sastinash, an outlander, in a Scotland torn by war and raiding border clans in the year of our Lord, 1743. Imagine. Oh my gosh. Hurled back in time by forces she cannot understand, Claire is catapulted into the intrigues of lairds and spies that may threaten her life and shatter her heart. For here, James Fraser, a gallant young Scots warrior, shows her a love so absolute that Claire becomes a woman torn between fidelity and desire and between two vastly different men in two irreconcilable lives. Okay, have you read Outliner? Because... It doesn't talk about how her husband's um, great, 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 great ancestor is there and how he looks like her husband, which is real creepy. And it doesn't talk too much about the clan and how she's trying to fit in with them and how she's trying to learn the, the rules, right? And it doesn't, it doesn't get into hardly anything. It really focuses on Claire and sort of this inner struggle that she has, like the, the, overall inner struggle, right? So the intrigues, yes, there's spies, um, but more than anything, she's she really becomes torn between a young Scott warrior um, and the love that he's willing to give her and possibly going home. <laughs> you know, we do end with between two vastly different men, you know, so she is still married 
1945. So it really focuses on sort of her inner struggle. And interestingly enough, even though it is a historical romance, um, she doesn't, the book blurb doesn't go into James Fraser's point of view, which is interesting because these days, a lot of the modern romances will have a two point of view um, book blurb. So yes, you want to have this sort of tease, right? That is a big tease. Like there is so much left out from, um, from this blurb. So when you're looking at writing your book blurb, and I had to write mine like 1500 times. I mean, that is a slight exaggeration, but, you know, and I had to constantly be telling myself, you know, I want to tease, I want to only put um, a little bit in there. And so we're talking about the tease and what we're really talking about is the tease of the main character. Yes, there are other characters, you know, in the book, most likely, (laughs) most likely. Um, But what you want to do is only talk pretty much about what's happening to the main character. Um, you don't really want to add too many characters in there because you you have such a short space that um, that you can start confusing the reader. So you want to, like with Harry Potter, it talks about Ron and Hermione way at the end. And that's probably because it's already the fourth book. Um, let's see, with Meet Eleanor Oliphant, um, the book blurb only mentions two people. So it says she struggles with appropriate social skills and tends to say exactly what she's thinking. Nothing is missing in her carefully timetabled life where weekends mostly consist of frozen pizza, vodka, and phone chats with mummy. Okay, there's two. But everything changes when Eleanor meets Raymond, the bumbling IT guy from her office whose big heart will ultimately help Eleanor find the way to repair her own profoundly damaged one. So I didn't see the mummy before, but... Um, Pretty much, you know that Eleanor and Raymond are going to be main characters, right? Now, have you read this book? Because um, from this, you almost get the idea that she's like, like a mom, a mom's girl, and like she's and she's like best friends with her mom, which is couldn't be further from the truth, right? So we're we're really teasing it, and it's. I don't want to say that it's okay that you give readers the wrong idea because that's not what you're trying to do, but you're trying to not tell them everything. So we do know that her heart is profoundly damaged, but we're not sure who damaged Eleanor Oliphant's heart. I think like I, like many people probably assumed it was, it was a man. Um, but it's not. <laughs> so I don't want to give too much away if you haven't read hers, but um, you you just want to give them enough to pick it up, right? So a, a, a big thing that you can also do that is becoming more and more popular is to have a hook or a tagline. This is really popular in romance books. Um, you are sort of taking, you know how the movie posters have that like one little hook thing that will, that will tell you, you know, what the, the genre, the movie's about. You can do that in which you sort of want to tell the reader right at, at the top what this book is about. And sometimes that is enough. You know, sometimes you can say dragons, um, romance, what more could you, a girl want, something like that, right? Um, but taglines can be, are, are pretty, pretty popular, especially in the romance um, section. So one 
like if we go to happy place, this is just something on the top of the Amazon charts. It says a couple who broke up months ago pretend to still be together for their annual long weekend vacation with their best friends in this glittering and wise new novel. That's a bit of a long tagline, but you could have the tagline being a couple who broke up months ago pretend to still be together for their annual week-long vacation. Eww. You can see right away that's going to probably be an issue, right? So if you have a tagline, if you can figure out something that will sort of already hook the reader, you know, then then do that. This is also a big thing in the thriller and mystery world, like uh, Death at Wilbo. The hook is, would you risk your life to find a killer? Hmm, would you? I don't know. I'm going to have to read that book. So remember, it's a tease and you can start with a hook or a tagline. Um, that does, that's not the beginning of the first chapter. This is just sort of a separate tagline, right? And then you really want to usually appeal to the emotion of the reader and what the ideal reader is going to like. Um, just like we talked about, like Harry Potter is written more for YA. Um, you, if you are writing a dark, gritty thriller, you're going to want to use the appropriate words, you know, dark and dangerous and thrilling and um, sort of mystery, baffling. Um, can they survive? Will they get there? Sort of have these different questions there. A couple years ago, the questions were a big way <laughs> like to write your book blurb. I don't see them as much now, but um, it's I think it's still a possibility um, to put questions in there as a way to entice or to bring in the reader. Um, you also want to use very strong words. We can get um, really wordy when we start talking about what our book is about, which is interesting. Um, we sort of really want to bring in all of these different um, elements and long sentences. It's almost like we don't want to take a breath in case the reader like interrupts us. So let's just look back at Eleanor Oliphant. So she struggles with appropriate social skills. Um, she has a carefully timetabled life. Like that, those three words right there really give you a sense of she's very organized with every meeting and place and has a schedule for all. No, she has a carefully timetabled life. Ooh, we know that she is probably obsessed about, you know, having her life very, very organized. Um, and then she meets um, Raymond, who is described as the bumbling IT guy. Bumbling brings up a very strong image, right, of who this Raymond might be. And then, of course, it ends with the pro her profoundly damaged heart. Like, those are really good, strong words. Um, this is probably a 100 words as a book blurb. Um, if we look at the light on Fairland Island, uh, we get we get really strong words like treacherous secrets, um, mysterious man who seems to recognize her name, hmm. embeds herself in the island's community. Okay, so that embeds yourself in the island community is much more concise and stronger than she joins the club and, and seeks to volunteer and does all this. No, she's 
embedded in the community. So you see how we might want to go into the details of how she embedded herself as the the writer, but really what we want to do is just bring that down to as few words as possible, right? And then the other words in this book blurb are deadly cliffs, shark-infested waters, and disorienting fogs. We might need to read this book. (laughs) In Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, um, we have the Faustian bargain. So right away, we know what the Faustian bargain is, right? You you exchange your soul. Um, the curse to be forgotten by everyone she meets, right? The extraordinary life of dazzling adventures played across centuries and continents. Um, she And then she, everything changes. And so there, there aren't as many um, strong words here, but here we have the, um, she meets a young man in a hidden bookstore. So already we kind of get the idea that um, perhaps the young man she meets is not really out there to be uh, met. He's sort of hidden away, right? So it sort of gives that connotation there. Um, Claire Randall, she's a former combat nurse from, I mean, World War II, like 1945. So we assume she's kind of, you know, been doing something, right? Um, She's reunited with her husband on a second honeymoon. Okay. We understand right away what that is. They're not going to get reacquainted with each other, which they are, but we're not saying that, right? They're going back. He also wants to go and study his family history and all this. No. Second honeymoon. That's what we're doing. Those are strong words. We know what's happening here, right? Now then, we use Claire's catapulted into the intrigues of lairds and spies. Oof. Okay. That may threaten her life and shatter her heart. Very strong. There. She is torn between fidelity and desire. All right. So see how we're using these very strong words to um, not only describe the emotion, but to really to bring in concisely what is happening in the book. Now, I keep saying concisely because the general rule for a book blurb is 150 words. I didn't want to say that right out because I know some people will just have a heart attack when I say that. It's really, really nothing, right? 150 words is really, really short. And so that's why I keep trying to say concise, concise and bring it down. So the there are tons of um articles out there and blog articles. There's a great course by Stacy Juba that I actually bought. It's $9. She really brings it together um, and kind of goes through pretty easy steps. And I have to say, um, she made it more or less painless. I mean, not really painless because I still hate writing book blurbs. Um, but it made a lot of sense. One of the things that she says, and I highly recommend her course, I'll have the link in the show notes. Um, to just go and read a lot of book blurbs. You just need to get that idea. It's like anything that we do that we immerse ourselves in, we're more easily able to do that thing right away, right? So, you know, the more you dance, the better you're going to become. The more you read these book blurbs and the more you write the book blurbs, the better you're going to become. But, you know, you can take them and you can do this at home with Goodreads or with Amazon, maybe even print a couple out and highlight these really strong words or these very concise little um, tidbits or just three, four words that are really giving you a strong idea of what's happening. Now, I would use, I would look into book blurbs of books you've already read so that you can really get an idea of what actually happened in the book versus what they tell you 
on the back of the book, right? Doesn't mean that you can't read other book blurbs, definitely go out there and read them as well. But I think that that will give you an idea of how much information you got at the beginning versus how much information you got at once you read the book, right? And then the last thing I have to say, which people might not want to hear is you're probably going to have to write your book blurb several times. Okay. But I don't want you to write your book blurb by yourself. What really helps in the book blurb writing world is feedback. And because it's only 100 to 150 words, it's pretty easy to get some feedback from people. Now, definitely you want feedback from people in the writing world, um, people who can help you sort of make things more concise and, you know, bring sentences together. But you also want your book blurb read by readers in which, you know, you ask them, like, is this enticing? Is this exciting enough for you? Would you want to write this Uh, to read this book? What questions do you have once you read this blurb? Because you actually want the reader to have questions because you want them to want so much to answer that question that they read the book, right? So it is good to get both feedback from writers and from readers on that. And just take everything, of course, with a grain of salt, right? And don't, don't trick your readers, right? But definitely tease your readers because that is what you're trying to do with a book blurb. All right. So this was a really short episode. I know I'm just trying to get you encouraged to write a book blurb, but the whole reason I want to to do this as well is even if you're not done with your book, it's summertime, right? You might not be getting as much writing done as you would hope you would get. If you have kids especially, or if you were just a very active person and you're, you want to be outside, I am not getting as much writing done as I would like to get done. But a book blurb is something that you can research while you're at the, at the pool and the kids are busy. Um, you can, you can start trying to write it out or you can start highlighting strong verbs. Um, it's like, work that you can do kind of on the side, right? So you can feel like you're still working on your book um, and you're going to need it. (laughs) You're going to need the book blurb. So it's not time wasted. It's not work wasted. So I kind of wanted to get this to you at the beginning of the summer so that you don't feel frustrated. Like sometimes I feel frustrated in the summer that I'm not really working on the book. The book blurb you're going to need, and you're probably going to need it sooner than you think. So I encourage you to try to do this. If you're not getting as much writing done, try to do work on your book blurb, you know, when in the meantime, in those little pockets of time that you have, maybe you can't get back to, to your main characters and sort of get back in your head, but you can work on the book blurb. So I also encourage you to check out Stacey Juba's course. It's only $9. It's it has a lot of information in there for a, for a $9 course. I'll have the link in the show notes below. I did the whole thing. I really think it was quite good. It was step by step. And so what I did was just follow her steps as well. Um, but just remember, it is a tease, not a summary. It's pretty short. And you are using very strong words and you're appealing to the reader's emotion. All right, that's it for this week. Of course, if you can, please share this podcast with any other writer out there that you know who you think would benefit from this. We really appreciate it. If you're listening on the podcast, please subscribe to the app that you listen to it on. Give us a review if you are so inclined. It would help us out. Um, If you're at 
uh, on YouTube, please subscribe there as well and share it with everyone that um, you think would like this. We'll be back with another short episode next week, and then we'll have Jeff Elkins a couple weeks from now. So keep listening. Have a wonderful summer. Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.